Previously on The Resilient Journey. When we think of pirates, we think of Pirates of the Caribbean, Captain Hook, Peter Pan, that sort of stuff, all the kind of stereotypes from, from fiction. Um, but actually, there's an incredible historical truth behind it. And we like to suggest that the pirates of the Golden Age were actually the social revolutionaries of the 1600s. Um, they actually were more in the role of sort of freedom fighters, because when you really dig into the history, the pirates were incredibly progressive for their for their time. You know, they were this, yeah, frustrated group of young professionals who saw um, this self-serving establishment, this self-serving elite going around plundering and exploiting the world of resources. They kind of decided that um, the system didn't work for them. The rules were rigged and they needed to go off and kind of write their own rules. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of my conversation with right-hand pirate Alex Barker from Be More Pirate. This is episode 120 of the Resilient Journey podcast presented by the Resilience Think Tank, and I'm your host, Mark Hoffman. In this episode, Alex and I wrap up our conversation about what it takes to make a pirate, and then we talk about the pirate code, something that all of us should be doing as a call to action and a set of rules we agree to live by. We talk about, like in today's world of resilience, the pirates found themselves embedded in rules that were written in a different era for a different era by a self-serving establishment. All right, we're going to wrap up segment one here with the final R, and that is retelling tall tales. What are we talking about here? Maybe give a modern day example of what that looks like. Yeah, so telling tall tales is about weaponizing your story, as we say. So um, pirates um, use predominantly the Jolly Roger, the skull and crossbones, as their branding, um, you know, arguably the world's most enduring branding exercise. Um, the pirate, you know, if you saw the skull and crossbones, the black flag, you'd know to um, what it meant, surrender or die. And most of the time people surrendered and the pirates could walk on and take what they wanted. And that was a way of um, essentially using storytelling and the dramatization of their reputation to get into battle less and and ensure their success. Um, so while the establishment was painting them as these bad guys, they thought, hell, we'll just run with that um, and use it to our advantage. And so that's what we're trying to talk about, you know, when we say, you know, use, weaponize your story and use it to your advantage. And I think that's broken down into three key ideas. The first one is to make your message singular and unignorable. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, to give you a kind of um, example, there's a, probably a famous example that people know, the... Uh, clothing company Patagonia, which is very well known now for the fact that its its only shareholder is Planet Earth, it's done a you know made a really radical move there. They made a famous advert that was like, "Don't buy this jacket," and it was you know a big statement to talk about their their sustainability objectives, um, but caught a lot of attention. And and he's consistently doing, and the whole company's doing consistently moves like that. And I like a small example I would use um, on a completely different scale, because um, I like to try and talk about people from our pirate community. There's a really amazing guy um, down in the south of the UK who started a pizza company called Pizza Pirates. And he, you know, it's an effort to weaponize his story and take the, the this retail idea. He um, went around just to the beginning and just said um, it's and just put on all of his posters. This is the, the best pizza in Devon. <laughs> like, and he's like, I have, I'm, it's not the best pizza. Who knows what the best pizza is? There's no peer review for pizza, but he's like, I just want to create like, you know, if I just put it in quotation marks, be a bit cheeky and just say, that's what it is. Perhaps word will get around. And just, so it's just kind of being a bit cheeky, being, being a bit like bold about your, about your, your messaging and possibly a bit counterintuitive. There's also like the idea of make of the medium is the message. That's another rule. Um, I think the best example of that is Banksy, um, the the artist. Mm -hmm. 
obviously uses all kinds of mediums to get like provocative messages across. He's very well known for being, you know, um, quite countercultural. And Sam talks about him quite a bit in the book. Right. And the final one is to take your message to the lion's den. So the idea being that, you know, fly your flag um, in an unexpected place where people are le le less receptive to your message because you create a bigger ripple effect. There's an example that Sam gives in the book from his own experience where he used to work in a marketing agency and they created a short video about everyday sexism. So comments that women get um, that are sexist and they partnered with a online platform called Lad Bible. I'm not sure if you have it in the US. I don't know how global it is, but they're they're known in the UK to be to be quite sexist in their oh, comments. So it was the idea was you marry with somebody who's completely counterintuitive. And everyone was like, what the hell is Lad Bible doing promoting this video on the platform? And of course, because of that, it got loads of media attention. So it's this idea of of the ripple that you get if you do something, you, you partner with your enemies. All right. Last week we talked about what it takes to make a pirate. All of those things get pulled together in something that the book calls the pirate code. It's the backbone of the success of the golden age pirates. What are we talking about when we say pirate code? So originally the historical context of the pirate code was that it was a real written document that they had um, to establish how, how they worked and lived together. And it was usually five to 10 articles and everybody in the crew had to vote on the articles in order to um, agree the articles. And even if one person voted against an article, it would actually be left out because they really needed to ensure that there was no mutiny on board. So they had to make sure they had full consensus. Um, and it was, yeah, this, this kind of voluntary agreement. And this is a, a hugely important point that it was voluntary. Um, you know, rules were not imposed upon you as a, um, a golden age pirate. You, you shared in the decisions about the rules that you signed up to. So uh, yeah, you essentially, and it's much harder to break a rule that you've essentially created yourself as well. That was the thinking. Um, but I think interestingly, it's not always about the rules that you make. It's about how you make them. And that's what they did. They they created a new system of rulemaking where it was yeah voluntary and consensus-based and of course, if you violated the code, you would be marooned or um, not. You not walk the plank because that's a that's, a, that's fiction. Actually, um, people often ask, "Is it you know? Did they walk the plank?" But um, they would sometimes be marooned or killed if they violated the code, depending on the extent of it. And all the kind of key ideas of the pirate code were the things like democracy, equal pay systems. All the pirate codes were largely the same. Um, hence, it's called the pirate code. Um, but now and again, you'd see like strange rules that have clearly been added because something's happened, like no smoking near the gun deck, <laughs> like probably because it created a fire or like the band will play on a Sunday every week. Sometimes one code has that in it. Um, so yeah, so there's different, um, uh, diff slightly different rules occasionally, but that's, that's what the code was there for. Um, and you'd be hanged um, if you were found with a pirate code on you. So you had to know it off by heart. Oh, that's very interesting but it speaks to how seriously they took the code. Uh, and it's very, very interesting because it's voluntary. It had to be unanimous, but once it's in place, it was taken really seriously. Now, you don't want us today to use that same pirate code, the, the code of the golden age of pirates. You want us to create our own code, pirate, pirate code 2.0. What are we trying to accomplish with that? Yeah, so the of course you absolutely have to create your own pirate code. Pirate code is unique to the team um, who use it every time. So even though Sam's created an example in the book, um, every 
you know, organization we work with, we work on their unique code. Um, the idea is that it has to be about what you stand for, what you believe in. And ideally, you want to get the buy-in of, of the whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it works, it works better in slightly smaller teams because it's really an operational thing. Like, who are we and how do we work together? And the, the the mistake that I, I've often seen companies make in terms of wanting to create a pirate code is that they start from the same place as one small group. Usually the leadership will decide what the company values are, put them on the website, and then everyone else is like, well, this isn't what we do day to day. This isn't right. what is actually happening in, in the company. And everyone then gets disillusioned and frustrated and there's no trust. So it's about, for me, it's about closing the gap between intention and action. This is like a set of, you know, Firstly, principles, and we can get into how you create a pirate code that works as well. But yeah, a set of principles that you can actually operationalize. If you have a, a pirate code that's thrust upon people, it's just taking one establishment and replacing it with another. Uh, and it's more of that top down rather than it being horizontal thinking. In the book, Sam lays out some ideas of what uh, a potential pirate code 2.0 might look like. Uh, and I like the first one. And I had to read it a couple of times because I am I think I misunderstood it or misconstrued it the first time. But the first one that he lays out is make shit up. Um, and, and he says, we need to get good at making shit up responsibly, immediately, and decisively. What's the inspiration behind that as a pirate code article? Mm. Yeah, so interesting. Um, that is got to be Sam's number one motto in life if you've worked with him. Um, there's lots of things that sit behind that. There's the idea that most of the rules that we're following were made in a different era for a different era. And so if you don't make mm. shit up, you're um, essentially following things that don't work. You're often following things that don't work anymore. Um, so there's that aspect. I think that's also inspired by the fact that um, him and I have both been in lots of situations with people we imagined would have more of a clue of what's going on than they do, or mm. at least the idea that most people, even in quite senior positions of authorities are still also making it up as they go along or making shit up. So you as well, you may as well and get over the imposter syndrome and just do it too. It's also the heart of entrepreneurialism, right? Sam is, Sam is really an entrepreneur, like above and beyond anything else. Like he's an extremely creative person. So I think that's been the backbone of like how he has achieved anything He's like, I've just, I came up with an idea and I made it up and I, I made it work. Um, but I really like the, the thing that speaks to me most about this is um, the idea of thinking on your feet and being responsive and intuitive and listening to yourself and what we call, you know, listening to your own inner compass as opposed to, as opposed to, you know, the, the map that you've been handed by life. Um, I've heard so many examples of people saying the biggest mistakes that I've made in my life because I've been I've listened to advice from people who weren't in my situation who didn't understand my context properly but I thought that they knew better than me well again they don't trust their own judgment on things too right yeah and that's not to say you shouldn't ever take any advice of course but there are moments when intuition is really good data and yeah I think that it it, it speaks to listening to our own imagination our own creativity um and being able to be agile in those moments to go, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with my gut. So yeah, I think that's definitely what what Sam intends. And it's and it's to be done in balance with everything else in the code as well. That's something to import, be recognized about articles is um, no one rule is more important than the other. So you're looking at all of these things as a kind of whole 
um, set of principles to live by. I, I like what you said there. I, I had asked a question on LinkedIn uh, a couple of weeks back, and I and it was inspired by the book. And I said, as a resilient professional, what rules do you feel like you must follow that absolutely suck? Uh, one of the responses was from someone who said that we're forced to follow an antiquated mindset or antiquated set of guidelines. And it kind of goes to what you were exactly saying there, that rules were made in a different era, and maybe they don't apply as much today. That's very interesting. But the hardest thing is, right, how do you decondition yourself from following them? Because once, you know, when you're brought up with a certain way of, I always think of it as like what you consider to be normal and right. So it's, it's two aspects, the right and wrong part, and then the like the normalization of things. So once you've really realized that this doesn't work, there's sometimes still an instinctive way, like, or at least, and it goes back to what you said at the beginning about being more comfortable feeling um, with uncomfortable is it's extremely uncomfortable to start, stop following something you followed all your life, even if you know it doesn't work. And how do you become comfortable with that sense of slight anxiety that comes when you're like, oh, I'm God, I'm doing something so different and no one else is doing it. And how do you sustain doing that <laughs> so right. that you, yeah, that's, that's the question. But, but it goes back to, again, to the rule breaking. You don't just break a rule for the sake of breaking it. You have to have that alternative. You have to rewrite it. And that all ties in with that whole thing of making shit up. Uh, I've modified that a little bit for my own pirate code 2.0. My first one is get shit done. And it, it's got sort of the same flavor to it, but it's a little bit of a different focus. But we're mm. not here to talk about my pirate code. Let's keep going. Uh, another one in the book uh, is to make the citizen shift. And it suggests that we kind of need to improve our individual and collective relationships with the world. And I love this part. And this is the part I kind of want you to jump on. Improve our relationships with the world and its natural limitations. Can you give me an example of you know what's behind that? What does that mean? Make the citizen shift. I, I the way I see this. I mean, the best person to speak to about this article is John Alexander, who is the guy who Sam was inspired by um, when he wrote that article. Who brought a book out in twenty twenty two called Citizens, in which he outlays all these ideas in a lot more de depth. And I really recommend it. He's a, he should have him on the podcast. He's really great. Um, um, that's a free free plug for John. But he but um. You know, it's it's about, I think, um, seeing ourselves as citizens rather than consumers. We are in a system that um, conditions us to be, to be consumers and our relationships with each other and the natural world are transactional. They're, they're, they're not relational, even though we are ultimately holistic and relational beings that exist in an ecosystem with yeah. each other. We're all deeply connected. We are conditioned to see ourselves as transactional units disconnected from each other. And that is what is making so many of us so unhappy all the time. Hmm. And we need to reconnect. Um, and part of, and, and I'm really help and what John's ideas are about and what the pirate and the, the article means is citizenship and seeing yourself as a citizen is a really action-based way to do that by things like volunteering, like helping other people. These are like meth, you know, modes to change your behavior and the way that you see others and the environment as well. So the idea here is to come up with, you said five to 10 articles to make up our own pirate code. It's kind of our own operating manifesto, if you will. Is that something that kind of in, 
engages ourselves, it energizes ourselves, maybe something that sets us apart from other people? Is that what we're after? Yeah, the, I mean, one critical part of the pirate code is what I, I usually say, I like, give it some teeth. Like it's got to feel like it has real connection and meaning to you, I think, or, or to you as a team. Um, don't make it generic. Don't make it bland. Um, don't try and, you know, because often people start with, you know, um, rather, yeah, rather generic ideas or principles that they they think that they stand for. And I'm like, okay, let's 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 build on that. Let's make it a little bit more um, punchy, like the way that Sam has with, you know, make shit up and make the citizen shift, which are not, not necessarily um, things you might have heard before. So that is, that's certainly part of it. But the way that I approach a, a pirate code um, with a team is like in a four-step aspect, four or five steps. The first one is to come up with your principles, like what do you stand for? Um, just figure out at least like a couple of sentences about like wh- what is it we're, try- we're trying to be and do here. Um, the second one is to then kind of build that out a little bit, make sure that there is consensus um, in the team as to what that actually means. Because when a team says, oh, we believe in fairness, for example, well, yeah. what's everyone's idea of fairness? Because it's different for different people. So don't make assumptions. The third step is to write down concrete actions and behaviors that m- show that how to live that principle in day-to-day life. Because if you can't show what the action-based aspect of the principle is, it probably will fall down. And, you know, you'll go, you'll, you, you won't be able to, um, everyone will f- not feel like they're actually living it. And again, it's that gap between intention and action. And then the final part I often ask them to do is go, if this is particularly if you're working with an existing team, I'll be like, well, where's the shortfall? So yes, we believe in honesty, for example, but where in the where are you not being honest? And that's and to recognize that that's okay. Like we can't be honest all the time about everything. So there will be inevitable shortfalls. It's very that's very human. But the key is to have an honest and transparent conversation with your team about it because this is all about a code is supposed to strengthen a crew, like and that that's that's its it's like a key function. Um, yeah. Hence, yeah, you have to sometimes go, well, we, we can't be honest with everyone all the time and that's fine, but we know the areas where we are going to be really honest that are really important to be honest about, like pay, for example. Um, and then the final bit would be to like to weaponize the code. So like make it punchy, make it memorable, make sure it has, feels like it has like a uniqueness to you. And then that, yeah, that's how I would, that's over five years of, of like, exploring and examining pirate codes that people have made and like looking at what works. It needs to be actionable. It needs to be tangible. It can't just be so generic to say, uh, and I'll just pick a a silly one that has nothing to do necessarily with, with work, but I'm going to eat better. Okay. Well, that's, that's very subjective, right? Let's make something that's a little bit more actionable. Exactly. It's like, okay, we're no longer serving this type of food, that's an actionable thing. Um, right. And then people, then people believe in it, you know, and that's what's so important as well. The belief that you are who you say you are and that you do what you say you'll do because that's the foundation of trust. And again, that's what makes a strong crew. I'm going to go off script here because I want you to take a minute and talk about the pirate workshops that you do because I think this is a good place to talk about that. We've talked about in episode one, uh, what it takes to make a pirate. Now we're talking a little bit about the pirate code, but you kind of pull all of this together with some very interesting questions in the workshop. Why don't you take just a minute and explain what you do in those workshops? Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> this might, this this uh, this will either make you intrigued or afraid. But the pirate pirate workshops 
are what we call a facilitated mutiny. So we're essentially in the three hours that we have with the team, enabling them and empowering them to rewrite the rules, to come up with some new rules that replace old and outdated ones that don't work and and get seek or not even seek permission, but um, gain the consensus of the group that this is what our new rule is and this is how we're going to go forward. Um, and we do that in a sort of dramatic pirate ending to the workshop where everyone kind of, you know, votes on the new rules. Um, but it goes, but we, we get to the new rules through a series of questions. So things like, um, you know, what's really getting in your way? Because actually what ha- like I noticed what um, happened at the beginning was that people would try to come up with a new rule without understanding what the blocker to creating that new rule was to begin with. Because mm-hmm. we might have a big ambition to like, you know, I've heard, I heard things like we want to make our organization plastic free, which is a great ambition. But what's what's stopping you from doing that now? Because there's probably a reason. And that's the thing often that you have to focus on. And, and it's interesting because the new rules often are much more cultural and people based. Um, it's like understanding the things that we need to let go of that. Are, yeah, that are providing these obstacles um, before we can really achieve our vision. But yeah, so we kind of, we go through a, a series of, of exercises and things and increasingly we're actually um, like extending this process. So we just ran last year, a three month program for a company, which is the first time where oh. we they take a lot longer to figure out their mutinies. Um, and, uh, and we get, we gave them sort of weekly missions and things to do that enabled them to do those small rule breaks and practices and practice courage, you know, um, so that by the time they got to the mutiny, they felt really like in a in a good mindset and a, a more pirate place to be able to be bolder with what they were trying to achieve do you do these uh, these workshops do they have to be in person or can you do them remotely through a uh, zoom or something like that yeah we can absolutely do them remotely um this we, we work you know we split people into small groups and you can do those in breakout groups and things as, as just as much we had to in the pandemic obviously um so yeah, yeah. it does it does work on, online as well all right. I would encourage people to uh, to reach out to Alex and uh, to try to learn more about these workshops. You, the book offers different questions from the workshops in it. And one of the ones that really was very meaningful to me uh, was what are the things that hold you back? Uh, and I stopped work one afternoon just to focus on that. And I realized that there were some things there Uh, sometimes I'm overly fair. Like I like to be fair in my dealings with, with customers, but sometimes I'll go too far. Sometimes I'll bend over backwards too far and I'll be overly fair. Uh, I realized that there were some people who were taking advantage of me, some people who were kind of taking my ideas and running with them. And I'm like, no, that stops today. And there are things like that. And it's again, to a degree, a, a facilitated mutiny. So we're going to summarize all this. And I think that the message today could land on somebody. Maybe they find themselves trapped by rules that suck. Maybe they're following a self-serving establishment. Instead of complaining about it, it's time to do something about it. It's time to break the rules, rewrite the rules, build their own pirate code. In summary, what advice would you give? Mm. There There are different types of first steps to being pirate, depending on where you're at. One could be, that break go go and break a stupid rule. Just do some. Just start. You know. Just do something because even if your small bold action fails, something inside you changes because you you are doing the action of taking a chance on yourself. Mm. Um, 
and and that and that's a yeah that's just something that you 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 can't do until you take you can't get you can't access the the shift in mindset until you actually take some action another like a slightly easier first step would be to find your crew would be to find other people particularly if you're thinking about this in terms of really challenging an establishment and you're in a team or you're in an organization where things aren't running as you'd like um find other people who share your frustrations um uh, who can be allies get get out of the office go to the coffee shop or wherever you want to meet out of your normal environment and and just and talk to each other like be vulnerable build trust with them um mm-hmm. and you know it's really strength in numbers and it's what you said at the beginning um of, of our interviews pirates was not a large amount of people don't think that you don't have any power to do something but don't i would certainly advise to not go at it completely alone remember crew is critical yeah build a crew i love that i'm going to ask you this might be the hardest question for you i don't know i ask it to all my guests as you were walking to the podium you have some walk-up music that you could choose what song would you pick to be your walk-up music and why would you pick that one Well, this is a great question. And I actually have a friend. We we do this all the time. We have a whole playlist of walk-on songs. Because I so love it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so I've got tons to pick from. So it's almost like hard to pick one. I mean, I have to say this is so, it's a, it's a bit nerdy, but I, I, I genuinely sometimes go for the Pirates of the Caribbean themed song because <laughs> um, it is quite epic. It's a, it's a great soundtrack. Um, yeah. But also I think the one I'd go for in this instance would be um, Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. Oh, nice! Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What? What, it's a great tune, and and it's it's packs like real punch, and yeah, exactly. And each of those songs, in their own way, have a driving beat, and they they got that they got that energy to them. Uh, I really like that. Uh, you're the might be the first one who's picked. I know you're the first one who's picked a soundtrack song. Uh, you might also be the first Zeppelin choice as well. All right, it's time to wrap up here. Tell everybody where they can find the book, Be More Pirate, and how they can connect with you to learn more about those workshops. Yeah, brilliant. Um, So our website is bemorepirate.com. Pretty simple. Um, There's info on there about the workshops, and um, you can also buy the book from our website. Um, And if you buy it from us and rather than Amazon, you will get it wrapped um, in nice wrapping paper and a wax seal pirate stamp on it. Um, and signed if you want it. Um, so yeah, you can find us there, but also we're on Instagram, um, at Be More Pirate. And um, Sam and I also speak to people very directly on LinkedIn a lot because um, we have a big business community on there. So um, feel free to reach out. That's awesome. You're all very approachable. You're very friendly. Thank you, by the way, for your courtesy. I made uh, so many quotes of the book in the article uh, that I just put out. And I appreciate your collaboration on that as well. Alex, thanks for doing this. So much appreciate you being here. No, thank you so much. We are always fully in support of our community and um, the people that we think of as pirate captains like yourself who have their own community, their own crew, um, but are you know strong advocates of the message. So thank you as well. Hey, hey, mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. I want to thank Alex Barker for being my guest and talking to us about what it takes to be a pirate. Break and rewrite some rules and then write our own pirate code. And 
you're looking to maybe break a couple of rules and rewrite the future of the industry of resilience, I would encourage you to join the Resilience Think Tank. That's what we're all about. Next week, Kristen Torres joins us as we talk a little bit about her journey on finding the secrets of resilience. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.